0: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
4: A warm and friendly hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the VSIM Family and Podcast. And this is a podcast that is brought to you by a combination of both DraftKings and Vote Yes on Prop 27. Prop 27 is out there to ensure that California and the good people involved with that state are able to get all caught up and they're able to bet legally online because we've got much of the country that is now able to bet legally online. Everyone out there in places like New York, obviously out here where I'm at in Las Vegas, Nevada, our Boston list goes on and on, and Californians, well, they're currently stuck out in the cold. Prop 27 ensures that California is able to catch up, so vote yes on Prop 27 and vote yes to a great podcast today. As joining me in segment number two, We go north of the border, Josh Ingalls. He does tremendous work at covers and does a lot in terms of taking a look at props. And that's a lot of what we're going to be diving into today. Something that came up on Wednesday with Aaron Judge going up against the Pittsburgh Pirates is very, very chalky home run props So we're going to talk about where the value is not in those, but where the value might be in terms of some pitcher props. Ways to be able to reduce the juice on some of these big giant favorites that we're going to find the last few weeks in the regular season of the MLB season as well. And take a look at a few games for Thursday with Josh. So, going to have a great chat there in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all, first things first. Always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast as you've got one of two ways to be this in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters M, yeah, maybe it does not matter, so as for usual please do send these into the timeline any other way that just via an Apple Podcast review. If you read this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. Here, you're able to whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a good time with it in the baseball card on Wednesday, so let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better.
5: A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap.
4: As I've been saying the last few weeks having to do this a little bit earlier just because of the Greg Peterson experience now Monday through Friday midnight to 3 a.m. So if there is something that you want to hear because I'm not able to hit up on a lot of these West Coast games like Diamondbacks versus Dodgers Padres versus Cardinals please do let me know but we did see the Washington Nationals get the job done against the Atlanta Braves by a count of 3-2 to two. Rice Helder gave a very good start. I don't think he should have been a minus 250 favorite, but I mean, he did his party. gave up one run in five and two-thirds innings. But then from there, Jesse Chavez, Tyler Mazak, they both lined just two outside of the bullpen, both gave up a run apiece, including Jesse Chavez, giving up a ding-dong to Joey Manessas. Manessas' 10th home run season, Dylan Lee, Jackson Steven from there, they both lined a scoreless in The Atlanta Braves do go three of seven with men in squaring position, but even though they got 10 hits, The Washington Nationals did a good job of holding down the fort with their bullpen. as Pablo Espino gives up two runs, one of which was earned. But then Hunter Harvey, Andres Machado, Kyle Finnegan all went to scoreless inning. And Carl Edwards Jr., two scoreless innings. The Milwaukee Brewers, they shut out. The New York Metropolitans, 6-0 the finalists. They couldn't generate anything whatsoever off of Adrian Alzer, who looked a little bit less like Doogie in this one. Only went four and two-thirds innings, but four and two-thirds innings scoreless. Hobie Milner gets it out, out of the bullpen, and then Jake Cousins, Brad Boxberger, Brent Suter, Trevor Gott. I'll deliver a scoreless inning, and the big shot in this one came from Mike Barrasso. Game was relatively in the balance in the seventh inning. He steps up. He gets a grand slam off of Drew Smith, his sixth home run of the season. Smith inherited quite a few runners from Taiwan Walker and David Peterson. Peterson gives up one of those runs in two-thirds of an inning. Taiwan Walker he's charged for four runs in six innings, and he gave up a home run a little bit earlier in the game to William Adamas. Home run number 31 of the season for Adamas, and then you did have Trevor McGill coming out of the bullpen. He lent a scoreless inning. But for the New York Mets, they go 0-5 with men in scoring position. So that was a little bit tough for them. If you take a look back at some of the late games that we got on Tuesday, I was reporting that the Yankees were probably going to lose to the Pittsburgh Pirates when I was doing that. It was 8-4. And, of course, the Yankees, they come back with Aaron Judge hitting home run and then a grand slam for John Carlos Stanton to walk that game off. So I felt like it was very much needed that I brush that up from yesterday. But you did have the Oakland A's on Tuesday Take down the Seattle Mariners. 4-1 to one was that final as Luis Castillo has been struggling a little bit for the Seattle Mariners. Especially when he goes to Oakland. Giving up four runs in four and two-thirds Tony Kemp took him deep. 7th home run season from there. The bullpen did their part as Chris Flexen two scoreless innings. Matthew Fessa, scoreless inning. And Matt Brash in out out of the bullpen. But for the Seattle Mariners, you can tell that they're missing. And Eugenio Suarez as just JP Sears gives up one earned run in five innings. Joel Pyeom's A.J. Puck. Tyler Sear and Domingo Acevedo all went to scoreless setting. Cardinals got all scoreless by the San Diego Padres by a count of 5 zeros. Mike Clevenger, 5-2 thirds innings Scoreless and Martinez far outside the bullpen. And then you had Tim Hill and Luis Garcia lend a scoreless setting as awesome Kim takes Adam Wainwright deep. 10th home run season for Waino. 4 runs surrendered in 6 innings. Big home and road splits with him. North of 2 Points on his ERA worse when he's on the road than at home. Pecky Naughton, he gives up one run in two innings and then shock, shock, surprise, surprise. Of course, the Arizona Diamondbacks, Trotting out there, Dre Jemison, who was terrible at the AAA level. They get the win over the LA Dodgers as he gave up two runs in six innings. I don't think he's actually good. I think that he's just catching guys off guard as he did allow a wild home run to Max Muncy. 21st home run season. From there, Mark Melanson, Reyes Monanta deliver a squirrel setting as Luis Frias and Joe Mantipla. They combine for a squirrel setting. Keitel Marte of the Marte Parte takes Phil Bickford deep for his 12th home run season. Tough loss for Tyler Anderson. He gives up three runs, but all of them were under. Now, Two of those errors were on him, but Mookie Betts and Trey Turner also had an error behind him as Pickford gives up that home run in two innings, and Justin Brule a run given up in his inning of work, so that takes care of Wednesday, and then getting back to Thursday, the New York Yankees, they completely pummel the Pittsburgh Pirates as 14 runs scored by the New York Yankees with 8 in the 8th inning, so if you had the under in this game, boy, that was a little bit tough as Oronzi Contreras, who entered into this game pitching really well. He had given up five runs in his last five starts. He gives up six and four-two-thirds innings as he did not have Aaron Judge go deep, but he drew a walk, goes 2-0-4, so that helps out his candidacy for the Triple Crown as it was Glaber Torres who went deep twice in this one off of Miguel Yajur and Eric Stout. As a matter of fact, he went twice. In the same inning, the 8th inning deep, as he gets home runs number 21 and 22 of the season, and as Walter Cabrera did take Contreras deep for his third home run season as Stout. In that inning, he pitched for a full inning, giving up four runs along the way. Miguel, are you sure? He gives up four runs in an inning as well. ERA boosters for both as Chase Young frosts out of the bullpen, scoreless, and... For the New York Yankees, Luis Severino, first start since the All-Star break, one run surrendered in five innings. Lucas Lukey gives up one run in two innings, and then Ron Medanacchio and Greg Weisert were both able to supply a scoreless inning as well. Yeah, The Philadelphia Phillies wind up eating it hard against the Toronto Blue Jays, as you had all the scoring in this game pretty much come in the eighth inning. Kevin Gosman, six scoreless innings for the Blue Jays and for the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Wheeler's first start in about a month, limited in terms of his pitch count, but four scoreless innings. towards Syndergaard from there gives two scoreless innings. You had Jose Alvarado give up nothing in his inning of work, but Sir Anthony Dominguez gives up three runs, two of which were earned, including a homer, difference maker for the Toronto Blue Jays. Flaggio Jr. 30th home run of the season as he did. add Yvime Garcia also give up two runs in his two-thirds of an inning to Mesa. For the Blue Jays, he was able to lend a scoreless inning as well. This is a game that is not final, but you know, it pretty much is as good as final. The Cleveland Guardians they put up eight runs in the first seven innings against the Chicago White Sox. It's eight to one as I do this. Tristan McKenzie looking very solid, seventy-three pitches through six innings, giving up a one-run. That one-run, a solo home run to Yordan Moncada, his 11th home run of season, and for Lance Lynn, a man that had had a big turnaround, giving up two runs of fear in six out of his last seven starts, gives up six runs, three of which were earned, and they just left him up to dry as he pitched 6 innings as he gave up a home run to Stephen Kwan 5th home run season and then Josh Naylor he nailed one off of Jose Ruiz for his 19th home run of the campaign as Ruiz will give up 2 runs in the 7th inning. As we're doing this as well the Walker Texas Rangers are currently leading over the LA Angels by a count of 4-2 to two. should be able to get this one to the window as Tucker Davidson gives up 3 runs in 5 innings as i may but he allows a home run in his 2 innings of work going deep for Texas Home run number two of the season for one of their young guns and left fielder Josh Smith as for Texas, Dane Dunning continues to be stunning at home. Eight punch-outs, two runs allowed in five innings. He did give up home run to Taylor Ward, 19th home run season, but from there, Brock Burke, two scoreless things, and then Matt Moore was able to come in, and he was able to do his part as well. The Baltimore Orioles, they do their part. They take down the Detroit Tigers by a count of 8-1 to one for the Tigers. Yeah, Gary Carpenter go deep off Jordan Lyles, and that was their lone form of offense. Sixth home run season, and he's got six home runs and 10 RBI. That's... A little bit lonely as Matt Manning gives up five runs, three of which were earned in five and a third innings to the Baltimore Orioles. Orioles don't hit any home runs, but they go 5-10 with Ben in scoring position as Josh Foley gives up three runs in that inning. And Daniel Norris gets five outs out of the bullpen scoreless as Jordan Lyles, a complete game. He gave up that solo home run and that was it. The Rays are now on a three-game losing streak as they lose to the Houston Astros by a count of 5-2. to two. two more runs than they scored in the first two games of the series, so the Rays are going to look to... Get things built back up after this as Martín Maldonado goes deep late in this game to really put an explanation point on it. 14th home run of the season. That comes off of Justin Knight who gives up that solo run over the course of his ending of work as Brooks Raley was the guy that really surrendered at giving up three runs in his ending of work for a Rays bullpen that has been relatively solid all season long as Kyle Tucker. 29th home run of the season off of him. He's now got 102 RBI in for Lance McEllis Jr., he gives up 2 runs in 7 innings as the race. They were able to get a home run off the bat of Isaac Paredes. 20th home run season, but the Astros, they've got the number one bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues as Rafael Montero and Ryan Presley. Both lend a scoreless setting in for the Rays. Corey Kluber, really good start that goes in vain, giving up one run in the course of his seven innings of work. The Cincinnati Reds, they were on to a win, 5-1 the final as for the Boston Red Sox, Connor Siebold gives up four runs and five innings. From there, the bullpen wasn't too bad as Frank German, who... Entered into this game with an infinite ERA, lowers it to forty-five, giving up a solo home run in his ending work going deep for Cincinnati. Donovan Solano, home run number four of the season. Edward Brazardo and Tether Danish both give a scroll inning, setting but for Cincinnati, Chase Anderson. A pretty ancient pitcher gives up one run in five innings. From there, you have Revierson, Martin, Derek Law, Alexis Diaz, and Fernando Cruz. All then, a saying for a Reds bullpen that post all-star break has been in the top ten in terms of ERA. And then, the Chicago Cubs go on the road. They take down the Miami Marlins by a count of 4-3. to three. As Patrick Wisdom, he lends wisdom to this victory as he gets home run number 23 of the campaign as... For the Chicago Cubs, Marcus Stroman, not his greatest start, giving up three runs in six innings to see a lot of pair of bombs himself for Miami. They had Nick Fortez go deep, eighth home run of the season, and Lewin Diaz, his fourth. But you were able to get three innings out of Keegan Thompson from there. He goes scoreless, and that's win number 10 of the season for him. He had punched out six, so very good to see. And Asus Lozardo, he was dealing. He gave up that home run to Wisdom, and that was it. one run surrendered in six and two thirds innings. But in Miami, Marlins bullpen, that has been. Hit or miss, they were done in by Stephen Oakert as He lost three runs, but only one of which was earned because he committed two errors, so he doesn't get charged with the runs. We've well, got to find a way to keep these pitchers responsible for those because he was the reason why those runs were surrendered. Jeff Brigham from there, he is able to get an out out of the bullpen. Dome Floro, Tanner Scott, they both land a scoreless ascending, but the errors wound up hurting this team, and they hurt them very badly as they do this as well, the Twins and the Royals. Currently locked up in a 3-2 game in which the Royals are leading. And with the Minnesota Twins, Bailey Ober gives up three runs and five innings. That encouraging for a Twins team that they pretty much fallen out of the postseason race as MJ Melendez took him deep. 17th home run season for Daniel Lynch gives up two runs, one of which was earned in four innings. So actually halfway decent outing there. So we shall see what happens on that one. And if you're taking a look overall for the MLB season, we've noticed that the underrate has climbed back to about 52%. 1,083 unders. And 1,005 overs overall for the season. Home favorites, they continue to be very solid 830 and 539 straight up. So that is a 60.6% win percentage for home favorites. But among these home favorites, we now have 254 that have failed to cover the run line. Has been a theme of the last 60 days as well. In the last 60 days, home favorites hanging at 63.2%, 295 and 172. But we have seen 82 instances in which these home favorites have not covered the run line in over the last 60 days. 52.5% of games have gone under the total 392, unders to 355 overs. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we got on Wednesday. Coming up next, we talked to Josh Ingles. He does a great job over at Covers. We're going to be talking about just props in general, things that maybe not a lot of bettors are focusing on, but can generate some money, what to do in a chalky money line situation to be able to reduce the juice and find some profitable bets and take a look at a few games for Thursday. That's coming up next here on the Baseball Betting Show It's myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss
6: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn
7: News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
7: Mexico will likely have its first
1: female president.
9: And then you have China.
10: Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession.
1: But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake.
11: As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often.
0: Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
0: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
4: And we're back here, lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And always great to be joined by our guests as Josh Ingalls does terrific work over at Covers, taking a look at the game of baseball. And on top of that, I know that he is in full swing in terms of the NFL season when hockey comes along as well, which. It's coming up sooner than you might think. Very late October, early November. The NHL is going to be back in our lives. He does a great job over at Covers covering that sport as well as Josh does amazing work whenever he joins this podcast. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Covers underscore and then his first name, Josh. And Josh, it is always great to have you aboard. Thank you. What's up, Greg? How are we doing today? We are doing terrific, Josh, and we talked a little bit about this off-air, and this is really a bit of your forte because I know that you do a lot of shows on covers, more taking a look at MLB props. We love sides. We love totals. I know that you fire in quite a few on those, but I know that you've done a great job in terms of the prop market, and we saw a good example of this on Wednesday. I mentioned that, you know what, you probably shouldn't be laying minus 250, and in some cases, a little bit higher with, a little bit higher with someone like a Bryce Elder. And it's not necessarily because I think that Bryce Elder is a terrible pitcher. I'm saying that for a guy to be minus 250, it needs to be like one of the most dominant of dominant aces. And I know you have some thoughts on this as well, because there are so many ways to be able to maximize value without laying that minus 250 money line. If you're looking to back a team like the Atlanta Braves were on Wednesday that were, let's call it what it is, a chalky favorite.
12: Yeah, if you have the time, there's there's certainly better markets to bet into. I was telling you, with Elder always scared to, and looking at other props uh, to win, pitcher to win market, obviously need to get five innings. So you're always worried about that first frame. So I got Braves to win and Elder to get the win at plus 125 after the first frame, after he struck out the side. So he looked good. Pitch count was down, only needed 12 more outs. Obviously, the well-traveled Jesse Chavez blew it for me but like plus 125 when you know that guy's going five and you know that the braves are probably going to hang a couple is a much better play it's a better secondary tertiary market than obviously than just going on the money line or trying to get a little value on the run
4: line i agree with you and when it comes to just baseball in general i do think that the old phrase of you're not betting teams you're betting numbers is big as well because you could honestly think that in terms of minus 250 you need in a 162-game season, Bryce Elder to win 115 times just to break even. And you might think that, you know <laughs> that's what? A, that's a funny hey, way
12: to look at it. I've never thought of that. Yeah. Players.
4: I mean, that's a grody way. But you know what? There might be some people out there thinking, yeah, if the Atlanta Braves and the Washington Nationals play 162 times, the Atlanta Braves might win 115 times. But you mentioned it with Bryce Elder, that wins prop that you were looking at, you're getting plus money. You got to think that if the Atlanta Braves Win 115 times out of that. If you're able to get plus money on Bryce Elder, Bryce Elder probably gets a win in half of those starts as well. So I do think that it is, once again, about you're not betting teams, you're betting numbers, and the numbers themselves would still indicate, even if you think there is value on that money line, that being able to get plus money on that to record a win is still the better value.
12: Yeah, there's another good one for Wednesday night, kind of same vein. Seattle at Oakland, Robbie Ray, minus 220 on the road. Probably not lay a minus 220, but there's advantages. There's a reason why he's minus 220. It's the A's. They're sporting one of the worst lineups out there. And if you wanted to, you could probably shop around and find a better price. Even if you just wanted to isolate it and bet Ray strikeouts or outs, which is one of my favorite new markets to play, pitcher out, It has less noise than strikeouts. There's probably some good price shopping, especially early in the market. You can get early things. You could probably could have got 17 and a half, probably would have paid a lot. But the big difference between 17 and 18 and a half, but I'm riding the 18 and a half Wednesday night. And it's just another example of that's another plus money play versus a bad lineup. And you would think if Seattle's winning that game that Robbie Ray, if Robbie Ray's only going six innings in that game, it's probably not a great outing.
4: Yeah, that is such a good way of looking at that as well. Total outs are a way that you're able to dive in on this. If you're looking at Robbie Ray, perhaps if you're looking to fade him a little bit and you don't want the Oakland A's to win outright, Robbie Ray to give multiple walks because we've noticed that walks props with a lot of starting pitchers are just set at a boilerplate of one and a half. And that is a market that I know a lot of people have been exploiting as well. So there's lots I just of got on that ways. today.
12: That's so funny you said that, Greg. I got on one. The early game, both pitcher walks, Elder game. Elder came through. His was one and a half, but he had an intentional walk, which counted as well. But I mean, some of their props are 0.5. Lance McCullers Jr., who's probably one of the walk heaviest pitchers, One and a half, minus 110. I think he's already had one in the first, and he's working on his second here in the second inning. A great market for bettors to look at.
4: Absolutely, and let's touch a little bit more on that, as Josh Ingalls' great work at Covers is joining me on the podcast, because when it comes to betting on baseball here in mid-September, we're noticing it. More with those games, like I was mentioning, with the Atlanta Braves, and... The Washington Nationals, you're certainly able to throw in their Seattle Manors and Oakland A's. Lots of chalky money lines. It becomes a little bit hard to take the sides in the totals, but there's still lots of money in the prop market. There's fewer offerings out west where I'm at in Nevada, but I know that on the East Coast, there's a lot of player places that I mentioned it in terms of walks and I think that it's important to take a look at some of these markets because the big markets are right now Aaron Judge at home run number 61, 62 and beyond and those are the ones that are getting all the attention and where the real money is is I feel where what I was just touching upon something like total walks, because everyone loves to bet strikeout props when it comes to Major League Baseball. There's nothing sexy about taking over one and a half walks with insert your pitcher here, but every book seems to be setting the boilerplate number of one and a half walks on all these guys. And I feel like it's one of the easiest markets to exploit because you're able to just simply take a look at a guy's walks per nine rate and you're able to find out, hmm, is this number actually good or not?
12: Absolutely. Compared to like what you would get judge at a home run, probably plus two twenty five, which is about thirty one.
4: Some of these were less imp- than plus two hundred for Wednesday, which that you can't do that if you're taking a go look at home run props <laughs> in my opinion.
12: No, that's what, thirty three, thirty four percent implied probability? That's uh, bananas. If you if if yeah. like what you did, if you Applied that same implied probability and put it in terms that other people could understand like you did with he has to win 115 games of 162. People wouldn't be thinking that's a great bet. Obviously, he's swinging a hot stick, but the probability of hitting a home run is probably not 30%. Like I said, there's better things to look at. The walk market is fun, and for people who are betting on it and watching the game, betting for walks is pound for pound one of the funnest bets that you can play and watch hoping people don't swing versus usually playing strikeout props it, it, it's pretty crazy and you only need two or one in some cases
4: yeah i'm right there with you i do think that that is something that is good to take a look at and we just talked about in terms of like home Boom, run props. lance mccullers jr over one and a half through five outs winner i mean the guy is giving out four walks per nine innings and they said it at one and a half even against the Oakland A's, I remember I was on the over for the total runs in that one. But Anthony McCullers Jr., even though he didn't give up any runs, he gave up like three or four walks in that start as well. And you mentioned it, intentional walks. He's still on his walks as well. So I think that there's, there's a, a lot really of cool thing.
12: There's a really cool thing I'm, I've been doing over the last couple of days. It's one of those things where I don't even want to talk about it because it's an edge. Not really an edge, but it's something that I've been keeping to myself. But like in certain books, is SGP stuff, if you add someone's strikeouts over and add their outs under, it correlates against itself. So you get a really big multiplier. It's probably slightly minus E V, but you get a big payout. But guys like Lance McCullers, who are pitch heavy but strikeout heavy as well, struggle to get to their outs market, but also record their their out market. So putting those through through the ringer and seeing how they're go so far, so good with that system. It's also fun betting on both sides, the over strikeouts and the under outs and then
4: the under strikeouts and the over outs, and then just hopefully one of the two go your way yep i think that this is something that you're able to exploit a lot of value in and as we know when the playoffs heat up it's not going to be a case where the prop market is going to die down but rather there's going to be more and more offerings in the next few weeks as well which makes it all the more juicy as josh ingles he does amazing work at covers he is joining me on the podcast and josh just in the last few weeks in baseball. Has there been anything that you've really been noticing? Because something that has really stood out to me has been, we're seeing some lower totals, and a lot of these lower totals, they have just been, frankly, hitting. There has not been a lot of offense generated. If you've been taking some blind unders, which I really don't recommend, you haven't been faring too badly, but it feels like as the, Calendar has turned from August to September as we typically see. Balls are typically flying out in the summer. They're now dying at the warning track. And I think that this is adding a little bit more value in general to unders. It's the ebb and flow of
12: temperature and hitting conditions, ultimately. Derek Carter was talking about it today on our Bad X release show how, obviously, in the early months with lower temperatures, the balls aren't flying. And that was the big talk early in the season about how home runs were down and runs were down the lowest rate since the turn of the century. Obviously, the home run came back in summer, as it always does. And now we're starting to see the fall back down into not prime hitting conditions. It's funny, now we're starting to see some of the best hitting conditions, obviously, on the West Coast in the Angels and the Dodger Stadium there. But some of the stuff, and we're getting another cold front, we're going to be looking at double-digit Celsius. I know you guys aren't on Celsius, but we'll be looking at not great hitting conditions heading into next week, so something
4: to look at, especially on the Northeast Coast. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It certainly has been something that has stood out to me. And then just in terms of Thursday, we've got a relatively full slate for Thursday as well. Typically, you only get about like 8 to 10 games in this Thursday slate. We've got 13, so feel very good about that. But what stands out to me is just one guy in particular, has pitched so well this season. Zach Allen. he is going be oh, I thought you were going to say George Kirby. George Kirby is as well. We can hit upon him in a minute, but for Zach Allen, this guy has been absolutely magnificent. He had the six straight starts in which he did not allow a single earned run, but now he has to go up against a team that has really been the breaker of so many of these great pitchers, like Sandy Alcantara. had his struggles against the L.A. Dodgers. You're able to go down the list of guys where it's like, oh, he's pitched really well and like – Six out of his last seven, here's the one. Oh, wait, it's against the L.A. Dodgers, and well, that's why he's facing up against against Julio Rios. But I'm seeing the Arizona Diamondbacks between plus 175 and plus 185. Do you see any value on Zach Allen in this start? Because for Zach Allen, I do sort of think that there might be a little bit of regression, but I think that plus 175 is just still a little bit overinflated in terms of the Dodgers side of more around a minus 205, and I think that Zach Allen actually is still lending some really good value considering the way that he's been pitching. I'm looking
12: at his game log right now, looking at, it's always important to see how teams win because he's not handing things over to a great bullpen. Let's obviously that Dead last point since out. the middle of August, but,
4: yep. Yes, but
12: Arizona's still 18 and 10 straight up in games he's pitched. And Arizona has taken two L's since july 22nd which is a stretch of one two three four which is a stretch of nine starts insanely profitable zero two loss in his last outing versus san diego one in colorado the lineups aren't great let's be honest maybe philadelphia is his best so maybe that's the case that you could argue against that he hasn't really faced many good offenses and as i go down the list he's actually faced some really terrible offenses Colorado about four times, Kansas City, San Francisco. So I don't know. This is probably a a great spot as ever to fade the Dodgers against an elite pitcher with 28 called strike with percentage, which is how you pretty much have to sit down the Dodgers. I mean, when guys like Trace Thompson have what, like an 820 OPS, it's just it's it's a, a constant turnover of guys of 800 OPS on that team. Literally all projections and models look at the Dodgers as by far the best team in baseball and the hardest lineup. And they're always a team that when we're looking at our prop bets and our outs and our strikeouts get faded heavily because teams just get hit so hard by this Dodgers team. But the track records there, 18 and 10 straight up uh, seven and two in his last nine wins straight up wins from Arizona. So, there's something there, and then that price wouldn't be a bad thing to cap off a
4: big Thursday night slate. No question about it. Zach Allen has been amazing, and you pointed it out. I said the Diamondbacks bullpen has been rough, but if you're able to get seven strong out of Zach Allen, and then you're able to turn it over to, shall we say, the more trustworthy bullpen pieces might be a little bit of value there. And, Josh, you mentioned – that George Kirby has been so good. And I mean, it's amazing. 1.1 1. 1 walks per nine innings. If you're getting that generic one and a half Not number, true. you probably want to be taking the under with George Kirby because he has been that terrific. But it's going up against the Oakland A's. Adrian Martinez is on the mound for them. Minus 230 on George Kirby on the road relatively steep. We are seeing a total of seven. I do think that it is important to note because we were talking about hitting conditions. This is going to be a daytime game in Oakland. When it becomes a nighttime game in Oakland, you get the Marine layer out as the daytime games. You don't have that. So that makes it a little bit more friendly to hitters to say the least, but interesting ordeal here with Seattle because they've actually been the worst hitting team in terms of batting average post all-star break and then we got for Oakland a guy in Adrian Martinez that doesn't have the best numbers I think that he has some upside just watching him a little bit in A. where do you stand on this game and just Kirby as a whole obviously the walk thing is appetizing 15 walks over as 117 innings
12: pitched that's incredible it's basically a running joke like how did they get how do they get Logan Gilbert and George Kirby To pitch this good and I'd I'd be putting them ahead of Luis Castillo right now with how he implodes in the middle of games recently second time through the order but one thing as prop bettors savvy prop bettors can figure out right now and we might hopefully see it in Tampa Bay with Corey Kluber is that coming around this stretch right now with guys at high innings counts like Kluber hasn't pitched a lot since last year or over the last two years these rookies and kirby and logan gilbert obviously in their rookie years heavy innings already these guys might not have a regular leash down the stretch here in their final three or four starts so i wouldn't be surprised if kirby was kind of maybe in the 15 to 16 to 17 out range where his prop market probably be about 17 and a half unless the books pick up on that because i think that down the stretch that seattle tampa bay especially Tampa Bay, with McClanahan's injury, that they'll be trying to hold back their starting pitchers a little bit. And, of course, then they'll want to reset their rotations, getting closer to playoff time, especially since the AL is kind of wrapping up a little easier as as Baltimore falls off the table gives these teams a little more leeway in that they can do that so guys like Kirby might not be a great
4: target for over out strikeout guys tomorrow just because he might have a shorter leash and I do think that that is important that you point that out as well because there's going to be a lot of teams that with younger pitchers they maybe have a little bit of an innings cap on them maybe they just want to save them in general they don't have an innings cap but they're just like hey you know what we really don't want to be Throwing him much more than we need to. We're out of the race slash we need this guy for the postseason. So very good point there as Josh Ingles joins me right here on the baseball betting show. And Josh, I know you're doing a great job covering so many different things over there. Covers. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. It's football season. You do a nice job there. I know you've got a lot more in terms of the prop market in terms of a lot of the shows that you do at Covers as well. So I want to give you the floor and just let people know what you've all got going on in general and how they're able to follow along on social media and other platforms.
12: Yeah, mostly on Twitter. Appreciate it, Greg. Mostly on Twitter. You can find all my stuff there. Uh, I do an MLB prop release show with Derek Cardi and his great projections Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, 11 a.m. live on our Covers YouTube channel. And now me and Derek are using his Blitz football projections for player props for primetime games. So we're doing videos for Thursday night, Sunday night and Monday night games as well. And then once the hockey season comes, I'll be back with my old friend Carlo Koliakovo, former Maple Leaf defenseman. And we'll be going through the prop market where I'll be doing the picks and getting his analysis as we try to find edges from a betting perspective, but also from a player's perspective
4: in the upcoming NHL season. And it's always good to be able to take a look at the problem market because it is growing and growing and growing. I know that the East Coast books, unfortunately, are actually ahead of us here out West, but it, there is certainly so much money to be exploited in that market and to be had. And Josh is doing a great job of being able to take a look at more of the Derivative markets, I think, is the proper way of putting it. Always does a great job of sharing that on this podcast and does amazing work that covers. A big thanks to Josh for joining me here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we catch them all.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
6: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
7: From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
7: Mexico will likely have
1: its first female president.
9: And then you have China.
6: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn
7: News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday... Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
7: Mexico will likely have its first
1: female president.
9: And then you have China.
10: basically everyone was expecting if not a calamity certainly a recession
1: but the problem is that that paperwork as our reporting showed is fake
11: someone who's covering the market i'm often very worried about an imminent collapse i'm thinking about it quite often
0: listen to the big take on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts breaking down every game every day in major league baseball this is the baseball betting show here is your host greg peterson
4: and we're back here in Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Peterson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Josh Ingalls aboard. He does great work over at Covers and he does a nice job taking a look at the prop market as well, which I feel is a little bit of an underserved market and as I look at his Twitter following right now, it's at 4999 By the time this podcast uploads, let's get that up to 5000 because he does a terrific job. So follow him on Twitter at Covers underscore Josh. Always a pleasure to have him aboard. Big thanks to Josh for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes there made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81 we are gonna be going in Las Vegas Rotation or this is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are gonna be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. Now we do have a few games that are off the board overnight, so that makes things a little bit more difficult, but we shall do our best to be able to persevere through these, and this begins with a game. Is off the board as we go 901-902 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants here on the road. They're facing off against the Colorado Rockies. Jose areña is going to be going for the Rockies. And good old to be determined is going to be on the bump for the Giants. And this is most likely going to be another Giants bullpen game. Because Carlos Rodan, well, he has been scratched for the time being. It looks like he might be able to come back later on this week, but that has led to yet another bullpen slot for the San Francisco Giants. And as a result, I've made this line minus 135 on the Giants with a whopper of a total of 11.7. So in 11.5 or less, I'll be taking a look at the over, a 12 or higher. I will be diving in on the under. For the Giants, they rank in the bottom 10 in the big leagues. In terms of bullpen area, you got to think that probably John Brebbia gets a start. If they are going to have an actual starter, it's probably someone from the AAA level that we're going to call it what it is. They don't necessarily have a lot of great arms in their farm system, so probably not going to see a lot of adjustment here. But in terms of the San Francisco Giants, you do have a few guys that have been okay in the bullpen, who I mentioned before in Brebbia. He, Jarlin Garcia, you're able to throw in their Camilo to fall. These are guys posting up a sub-3-2 ERA, and Thomas Zapucky has actually been okay in a little bit of a bulk roll, but that said, you've also been having Sean Hegele. Hopefully I said that correctly. He's been used in a bulk role in some of these as he's made six appearances. He's got north of an 8 ERA, so for the Giants it's not great, and for the Colorado Rockies Jose Ireña Last two starts have actually been very good for him. A combined two runs surrendered in 11 and a third innings against the Cubs and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Even with those two great starts, he's got a 549 ERA for the season and a 657 at home and he's not necessarily given up a ton of the deep ball this season. He's given up nine home runs at 80 in the third innings. That's one home run per nine innings, but he gives up four walks per nine innings while getting barely over five strikeouts per nine innings instead of 290 off of him. That's not a good combination of things. For the San Francisco Giants, they do have a lineup that is very much platoon-based. They only had two guys in the starting lineup yesterday with more than eight home runs a season of Wilmer Flores and Jack Peterson. And Peterson, he's been able to 260 for this bunch. You've had a little bit of production out of someone like a Luis Gonzalez, who's been able to about at 250, but got a lot of guys like a Mike Ushermski, Dom Vr, Brandon Crawford that are hitting below a 230. And for the Colorado Rockies, they do it about 45 points higher in terms of their batting average at home rather than on the road. You got some guys with some very dramatic splits, like someone like we're going to throw out there, CJ Crone. 22 of his 29 home runs have come at home this season as overall for the Colorado Rockies. They average about .6 home runs per game on the road, about 1.1 home runs per game when they are at home. And someone like Randall Kritchick hitting a 321 at home compared to a 206 on the road. That is stark, but the Rockies themselves have a bottom six team in terms of bullpen ERA. And also, LeMet has been solid since he's joined the team, but relying upon guys like Noah Davis, Chad Smith, Jake Bird in that bullpen, not too terrific, which is why... I have a sky high total on this one, 11.5 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, a 12 or higher to the under. I did make the Giants minus 135 on the money line, and pretty much a plus 120 or greater will be willing to dive in on a run line as well. So we go 903 and 904 on the betting board. The San Diego Padres play to the St. Louis Cardinals. Captain Jack Flaherty is going to be going for the cards, and Joe Musgrove is on the bum for the Padres, and the Padres are between minus 128 and minus 140 favorites. Between plus 115 and plus 130 is the number on St. Louis. 7.5 is the total. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 105, and I did make my total 7.7. I'm willing to go in on the over. and with the Padres was what a lay up to a minus 144 with them. For Jack Flaherty, this time since coming off the injured list, he's looked a little bit better. Seems like his arm is built up a bit more since the last time he tried to come in off the injured list. That was in June, and you could tell that he was just not right. He looks a little bit more like the Jack Flaherty of old, but even when Jack Flaherty was at his full force, he was an inconsistent pitcher, and we've been seeing that thus far. He's made three starts. He has allowed eight runs over the course of 15 innings, so not great. I'm not going to say that it's terrible, but Nick command has not been there. He's been giving up about four walks per nine innings since he has come off the ender list overall for the season. That goes up to more around five and a half or six. And for Joe Musgrove, he has been... Very shaky here in the second half as well, but for Mr. Musgrove, he's been able to pick it up just a little bit more recently. He has given up 13 runs over the course of his last 26 innings, but he's been able to do a good job overall of keeping the ball in the yard, giving up about 1.1 to 1.2 home runs per nine innings, walks per nine rate, still sub two. He is backed up by a bullpen that is a little bit shaky in and of itself because of Crispin. Is currently on the Angelus, and then you've got Josh Hader, who's just been a mess since he's come over to the team. scroll setting in each of his last four appearances, but still has north of a nine ERA since coming to San Diego. But Robert Suarez has been able to do a solid job for the San Luis Cardinals. They are missing one of their top open pieces as well in Genesis Cabrera, but they've had Ryan Elsley do a rock-solid job providing a sub-two ERA. Giovanni Gallegos has been able to supply about a three ERA overall for the season, and Chris Ryan, since he's come over from Pittsburgh, he's been able to post up a three ERA as well. For the St. Louis Cardinals. It's been all about Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado this season. A combined 64 home runs entering into the game on Wednesday with Arenado hitting about a 2.95. Paul Goldschmidt hanging north of a 300, and then you've had Elber Pools and Corey Dickerson since the all-star break hit above a 300 with Pools. He's been getting about a home run every 10 at best since the all-star break, and he has really been firing on all cylinders. That has been great to see, and then you've also got someone in Tommy Edmond who's got north of 25 zone bases, does a good job moving the line in for the Padres. Just has been a team that can't hit at home. Josh Bell and Juan Soto since they've come over from Washington, D.C. Both guys are hitting below a 240 with this Padres team. It's been a little bit shaky for Brandon Drury as well as Drixon Pro Faro, I mentioned before, and Soto. Awesome Kim, Austin Nola, Jake Cronenworth, all in between about a. 237 to a 250. So that's a bit of an issue. You've been able to get 29 home runs out of Manny Machado. He's been the constant. And I do think that you've got a nice pitching advantage here with Joe Musgrove just because with Jack Flaherty, I'm not necessarily sold on him, but even for. Petco Park, which is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. I do think that the 7.5 is too low with the recent form of both of these guys and just the Padres' overall talent, I think coming to the forefront a little bit more. I think that they're going to be able to sharpen up going into the postseason. So, total is 7.7. I'm willing to take a look at the over and willing to lay up to a minus 144 with the Pods. 9 5 on the betting board. This is another game that's off the board as the Chicago Cubs hit the red faceoff against the Pittsburgh Pirates. For the Pirates, it's looking like Mitch Keller, but this is still due be determined which is why this game is off the board and Hayden Wozneski is going to be going for the Cubs and if it is Keller and Wozneski I would set the Pirates as a very slight favorite of minus 104 and a total of 8 or less we will be looking at an over half or higher to the under. Did my total a little bit lower in this circumstance because with the Chicago Cubs, they've been without Wilson Contreras for much of the second half of the season. They've also been able with a little bit of an injury to Patrick Wisdom. He was back in the fold yesterday and has been able to lead the team with over 20 home runs this season, but his batting average has been a little bit of a hot mess as he and Zach McKinstry, both hitting below 225. Framio Reyes overall for the season has been hitting about a 225 as well. And While the power numbers have not been there with the Chicago Cubs, he's done a better job of moving the line, hitting about a 250. You do like to see that. Ian App, he's done a great job with right around a 350 on base. David Bode has been solid as well, but for the Cubs, not a lot of home run power. And outside of Brian Reynolds, who's been able to supply the Pirates with about 23 to 24 home runs this season, you don't have a lot of that on their side as well. Now, I will say young guy in Onyo Cruz has uh, struck out quite a bit, has had his issues in terms of moving the line in general, but take a look at what he's been able to do over the last three days. He's went deep eight times, so that's given the Pirates a little bit more of a threat on that front, but a lot of guys sitting between about a 230, 240, like Rodolfo Castro, Cabriones, Ben Gamble. Jason DeLay has fallen a little bit below that line, and now you've got other guys like Jax Wisniewski, Zach Collins that they're hoping for production from. Hasn't been great, but what else hasn't been great is really both of these bullpens for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Chase Young is someone I like. He's able to come in for multiple innings as a sub-250 ERA for the season. Will Crow, Manny Ben-Wales are a pair of longer guys that have been posting up right around a four ERA, and then when you get to guys like Robert Steven and company, it's not great. And for the Chicago Cubs, they're just trying to mix and match Eric Yule has not been the answer. Brandon Hughes is actually someone that I do like for this bunch, but you got someone like a Michael Ruckers posting up north of a four ERA Rowan Wick has been all over the place as well, and with Wes Niske, I actually think he's got quite a bit of upside. His last start against the Colorado Rockies, which was really his first at the big league level, he had come in for some long relief appearances, but gives up a one run in seven innings. So it's facing off against the Colorado Rockies in a home environment where the Rockies just stink on offense, so there is that, but he's only given up two walks in 15 and two-thirds innings at the minor league level. He had some solid command, not a tremendous swing and miss guy, but a solid swing and miss guy, and for Mitch Keller, he's has to improve as the season has went along as he's posted up a 2.20 ERA over his last five starts. Giving up three home runs in 28 two-thirds innings. Walks numbers are still high. That's always been the fear with Mitch Keller as he's given up about three and a half walks per nine innings. It has a 3.93 home ERA compared to a 4.13 road So relatively consistent on both fronts. But I do think that for the Cubs and the Pirates are gonna be able to get into the respective bullpens, But I do think that the starting pitching on both sides gonna be solid with the Pirates. Set them as a very slight favorite with the Cubs, dealing with some ailments in general. So made the Pirates minus 104 in this circumstance and in a total of eight or less, looking at an over 8.5 prior to the under. 907, 908, another game that's off the board is the Milwaukee Brewers. They throw the to face off against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati and right now they're on to do be determined, as we know that it's gonna be Brandon Woodruff for the Milwaukee Brewers. Right now, it is appearing as though Hunter Green is going to get the start. And if we get Woodruff versus Green, setting the Brewers minus 188 on the money line and a total to wear an eight and a half or less, I'd be looking at the over and an nine or higher to the under now for Hunter Green. He made his first start since August 1st over the weekend against the St. Louis Cardinals, and he was flat out magnificent. 11 punch outs in six scoreless innings. I think he might have caught them a little bit off guard. He's got that 100-plus mile-per-hour fastball. He does have command issues, so overall for the season, he's been giving up about 3.5 walks per nine innings. I think that that could be a little bit of a bugaboo on the burst. I've done a solid job against him this season, but Woodruff has been great since coming off the injured list as he's allowed three earned runs or fewer in all but one of his road starts since then, so his 433 road ERA for the season little bit deceiving because ever since the beginning of the month of June, he's been posting up right around a 250 ERA. He has been very sure-handed in terms of getting swings and misses, getting a little bit under 11 strikeouts per 9 innings. He's given up about 1.1 home runs per 9 innings, but by and large, has done a nice job now with the Brewers. It is a very tax bullpen, and they didn't even get 5 innings out of Adrian Hauser yesterday despite getting the win, but you do have one guy that is well-rested, and that would be Devin Williams, the guy that has been the man for this bullpen, posting up a sub-2 ERA, so that is something that you do like to see. They get Jake Cousins off the injured list, a guy that I've always liked for the box burger pitch yesterday, but he's got a 3 ERA as well. And for the Cincinnati Reds, it's been a team that has had a bullpen in the top 10 of the big leagues since the All-Star break in terms of ERA. Buck Farmer has been able to supply a sub-3 ERA post-All-Star break. Alexis Diaz and Fernando Cruz both have a sub-2 ERA. Revere Sam Martin has been, at the very least, competent in the bullpen after he was a failure of a starter, so something to build around for the Cincinnati Reds. But Reds also do have a very top-heavy lineup as you do have guys that do a nice job moving the line TJ Friedel, Kyle Farmer Jonathan India, Jake Fraley, only between about a 250 to a 260 None of these guys necessarily tremendous in terms of the deep ball, but you've got Donovan Solano as well hitting about a 290, but then you get into guys like Chucky Robinson, Austin Romine, Articide Sakino, guys that are hitting below the Mendoza line of 200 or right at it, and that is a bit of an issue. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, you've got good home run power as Rowdy Tellez, William Adams, they both have been able to give at least 30 home runs this season for 100 run He's more in that pocket of 25 home runs, but for the Brewers, they just have a tough time being able to turn these home runs In a more like two to three run shots, Mike Padasso, who went deep for that grand slam yesterday, sitting about a 265, and Christian Yelich saying a 260 with a 360 on base, but a lot of guys like Chase Peterson, Colton Wong, Renfro, I mentioned before, William Thomas, are in between about a 245 to a 250-ish. You're able to throw in there their young center fielder in Garrett Mitchell as well, but for the Brewers, I do think that that's a little bit of fear, but I still do think they should be a sizable favorite against a Cincinnati Reds team that they have just flat out owned all season long, so in that for less, looking at the over nine or higher to the under end with the Brewers. maybe the minus 188 on the money line will be willing to lay up to a minus 117 on this run line as well. 909. 910 on the betting board, it is the Atlanta Braves they're on the road, phasing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. He says, Aringius Suarez it is going to be going for the Phillies. And Max Fried is on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta between a minus 140 to a minus 155 favorite. Between plus 130 and plus 135 is the number on the Phillies. 7.5 to 8 is the total. On the 8, under is minus 115 to minus 120. The over is any between even a minus 105 on the 7.5. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. And if you're looking at that Atlanta Braves run line, finding it between plus 115 and a plus 120, and it's a interesting circumstance because with the Philadelphia Phillies run line, you're finding that more around a minus 130, and that's something that I might wind up gravitating towards when it's all said and done because with the Atlanta Braves, I expect the money to continue to trickle in. I set them at a minus 148, so if you're out there on the East Coast, minus 155, a little bit too steep, but I do like this minus 140 number that is a little bit off of the opener. If we can maintain the Atlanta Braves at a minus 140, I will gladly grab it, But I do think that there's going to be money coming in on the Atlanta Braves. So with that said, what I do like in the AM might change a little bit. I personally am going to take a look at this minus 140 and grab it as – quickly as humanly possible, but I did want to throw out there that disclaimer first because with Max Fried, he has been absolutely tremendous with the Atlanta Braves and he does deserve to be right around about a minus 150-ish favorite. Like I said, it had a minus 148 260 road ERA, 245 home ERA. He has given up just four home runs in 72 and two-thirds innings on the road this season. And you dive into his numbers a little bit further against the Philadelphia Phillies. He's got about a 350 ERA in three starts against him, which is not bad because this is a Phillies lineup that is very formidable. They didn't necessarily show it off yesterday, but he showed it off two days ago as you've got someone in Kyle Schwarber who's been able to go deep 40 times this season. Not a great batting average guy, but someone that moves the line, JT Ryumito, post all-star break hitting above a 3 with a double-digit amount of formers in that time span. Reese Hoskins has supplied 25-plus home runs this season. Bryce Harper is coming off the injury list. hasn't been himself, but Alec Bohm, Nick Maton, along Gene Segura, only at least a 265 for this bunch. Bryce and stop post all-star break has been able to about a three hundred for the Phillies. They have been able to get better performances out of Rangers Suarez, a guy that has been incredibly intriguing because he's actually been significantly better on the road than he has been at home overall for the season. 353 ERA but with that 353 ERA that includes a 470 mark at home and a 267 on the road. Despite the fact that he's given up six home runs in both environments now. He's pitched fewer innings at home but still less than one home run per nine innings surrendered when he's been at home. The walks have been an issue though giving up a little bit over three walks for nine innings so we're starting to see things revert a little bit for him. He's given up 17 runs in the course of his last 26 innings, and against the Atlanta Braves in 4 starts, he has allowed 13 runs in 22 innings and 10 walks, so it's not necessarily too tremendous, but for the Atlanta Braves there's a big reason why I don't necessarily trust him as much on the run line, and his name is Kenley chance Jansen, and he has been absolutely terrible. Rest of this Atlanta Braves bullpen has actually been very good, as you've had A.J. Minter supply a sub-250 ERA all season long, Tyler Madzik, Dylan Lee they're below a 3-3, Kyle McHugh is about a 280 ERA, he's able to end a little bit of length of them for the Philadelphia Phillies. Sir Anthony Dominguez is coming out the injured list. Hasn't looked like himself. Brad Hand, David Robertson, they've been able to do a solid job. And someone I do like as well is Andrew Bellotti. He's given about a 330 ERA. Connor Brogdon has been relatively solid as well. But here with current numbers, I don't know if this is going to last in the AM. I expect money to come in on the Atlanta Braves, but and out of minus 140, I think you've got really good value that probably is not going to be staying for too much longer. So I'm going to fire in on the Atlanta of Braves. And somebody told us 7.8 where I'm at here in Los Vegas. I've got only 8s available to me, and honestly, I'd rather have an 8-under rather than a seven a half over, so looking at the 8-under to go along with the Bravo. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board, it is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are going to be on the road facing off against the LA Dodgers. Julio Arias goes for the Dodgers, and Zach Allen is on the bump for Arizona, and your total on this game is seven and a half overs, 120. The under is even with the Dodgers, they are between minus $2 and minus 220 favorites, and we're between plus 175 and plus $2 is on for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and you know where I'm heading. I talked about this with our good friend Josh, gotta be taking a look at Zach Allen in this circumstance, the one trepidation that you've got with the Arizona Diamondbacks is that this bullpen is absolutely terrible, and man, some Bumgarner pitch yesterday, so it's not like they've necessarily got a lot of rest from that double dip that they played earlier in the week, but... Zach Gallen has been absolutely supreme. He has given up five earned runs over the course of his last seven starts and just night in and night out, this guy has been a machine giving up more than two runs and I believe just two starts since the all-star break in terms of earned runs because I think that there was a start or two which he allowed an unearned run, but post all-star break, he's got a sub buck 50 ERA. This guy has been tremendous. Even with giving up a few more runs in his last few starts, if you look at the last five overall, he's given up one home run in 31 and a third innings with five runs surrendered and opponents are a forty-four off of them. Do I think that there's going to be a bit of regression here? Absolutely, but even against the Dodgers in his one start against the Dodgers, six scoreless innings and he's actually got a good track record against these guys. Meanwhile, for the LA Dodgers one, Julio Arias actually pitches better on the road than he does at home. He might be able to win 20 games this season if he's able to get enough starts, but 254 home ERA, 207 ERA on the road. This was the same thing we saw last season when he won 20 games. 13 of those wins came on the road. This year among 17 wins, 11 have come on the road as at home. He's given up about 2.4 to 2.5 home runs per nine innings, and if there is one thing that the Diamondbacks are doing, they're going deep on the road with right around 1.35 home runs per game on the road. Meanwhile, 0.85 home runs per game at home. Christian Walker, Dalton Farshow, a combined 61 home runs this season. Both of these gentlemen, along with Emmanuel Rivera and Alec Thomas, in between a 233 to 245. You've got a couple guys like Jake McCarthy, Corbin Carroll, Stone Garrett, hitting above a 290 as well. And then on the flip side for the LA Dodgers, you've got Mookie Betts. He's the bets around hitting at 270, 34 home runs, and then Trey Turner. Freddie Freeman, both 20 bombs piece. Max Muncy is in that fold as well, he's not hitting for as much average as Freddie Freeman 330 batting average, straight Turner down for what he's hitting about a 305, even something like a Gavin Lux, as they would about a 290 for Thompson, it's done a good job of being able to move the line as well, so I do think that you've got formidable bats for the Dodgers, and I do think that as a result Zach Gallen, going to give up a few more runs, but the Diamondbacks, they're able to hang as well with the Dodgers, they've got the, by far upper hand in the bullpen, as Caleb Ferguson Alex Vessia, Evan Phillips are also a sub-275 ERA. Chris Martinson's coming over from the Cubs, a sub-3 ERA. So, these guys have been solid. Craig Kimbrell's someone that you don't want any part of, and for the years in the Diamondbacks, really other than Joe Mantiply, he's got a sub-3 ERA. All these guys have been complete jokes out there in the bullpen, like Mark Melanson, Taylor Widener, Kevin Ginkle. You're able to go down the list of guys that are giving you a 450 ERA or worse. Luis Frias, not necessarily good, but I think that Zach Allen deserves a little bit more respect than he's getting right now. I am willing to take this plus price. I was willing to take anything of 164, so one to fire in on the Diamondbacks. I think the total is just a little bit too low here at seven. Semi-total at 7.3, so looking at an over as well. 913, 914 on the betting board. It is the LA Angels. They are going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Walker, Texas Rangers, as Martin Perez is going to be going for the Rangers, and Michael Lorenzen is on the bump for the Angels. Angels are between a plus 120 to a plus 132 underdog, and between minus 133 and minus 145 is the number on Texas. In F is the total under is anywhere between minus 150 15 to a minus 120. The overs between minus 105 and even money and with the Rangers, was willing to go up to a minus 134 on them. So seeing the minus 133, that is literally the max I'm willing to lay on them, but I'm willing to lay it. With Martin Perez, he has been regressing a little bit post All-Star break, but has still been able to do a solid job all season long and is going up against someone in Michael Lorenzen that is not a strikeout artist, to say the least. For Lorenzen this season, tough strikeouts, burnout in innings while giving up about 1.2 home runs, nine innings, spent a lot of time on the injured list in two starts since coming off the injured list, sent in two thirds innings, giving up four runs, but three homers in that time span and six walks. He gives up a lot more walks than you'd expect from a little bit of a pitcher contact guy with right around four walks per nine innings. On the road, a 663 ERA. That is a big giant issue. Now, with the Texas Rangers, you got Brock Burke and Matt Moore that are very good out there in the bullpen, and then Jose LeClerc. He's been able to do an okay job. He's posting up an ERA that's hovering in that neighborhood about a 3-1, but you do have a couple of, oh, like Dennis Santana, Asus Sinoco, you really don't want to have a lot of faith in him. For the LA Angels, someone like an Andrew Watts has we good in the bullpen. Jose Cuiada seeing a little bit of regression, but Jimmy Herget, I like what he's been able to give this team with right around a two forty five area. And for the LA Angels, no question about it, the lineup has been so much better since Mike Trout has returned to the fold as he and Troy Otani, both 33-plus home runs, both of these gentlemen have been able to do a good job moving the line, ending between about a two sixty eight to a two seventy five, and then in that fold as well, Luis Arnifo. And Taylor Ward, Ward has regressed post All Star break, but it's very much a top heavy lineup. And then you've got guys like Mickey Monic, Mike Ford. You're able to throw in there Kurt Suzuki, Joe Adell, hitting at 225 or worse. And with the Texas Rangers, quadrant of guys supplying at least twenty three home runs. Eight Garcia, Marcus Simeon, Nate Lowe, Corey Seager, all in that fold. With Seager being able to slug out thirty home runs. All these guys really aside from Lowe hitting between about a 245 to a 255 with Lowe hitting a little bit closer to a 300. Bubba Thompson and Leody Tavares hitting between about a 265 to a 275 to move the line, turn these home runs into more like two run shots. So I do think that the Rangers should be getting the upper hand a am up to a minus 134 even with the Angels playing a little bit of better baseball recently. And I do think that Martin Perez is going to do a nice job in this circumstance which is why I did set this total at an 8.1. If you dive into Martin Perez at home, he's been relatively consistent it as opposed to on the road. 278 Rodieri, 291. Homieri giving up just five home runs in 80 and a third innings when he is at home. Bonus starting at 239 off of him. Walks are starting to creep up. He's now been up to right around three walks per nine innings, so be a little bit careful of that. As a result, we have seen some struggles here in the second half of the season, but Martin Perez also does enter into the start, having given up three runs, of few and four out of his last five starts. So, want we'll to lay it with Rangers Rangers semi-told at an 8.1, so looking under as well. Here comes the H pick. 915, 916 on the betting board. It is the Minnesota the Twins on the road facing off against the Kansas City Royals. John Heasley is going to be going for the Royals and Josh Winder. The Battle of Jays is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins and the Twins are between minus 125 and minus 130 favorites. Between plus 110 and plus 115, your number on Kansas City. 8 is the total. Over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105 and DK Nation pick, I'm going to take a look at the over. I set my total at an 8.6 and really this is a fate of John Heasley. John Heasley has been absolutely terrible for the Kansas City Royals. 3-8 record, 509 ERA. He has given up 4.2 walks per nine innings. A little bit over 1.7 home runs per nine innings. They're just having no faith in him whatsoever. Now, I will say, in his last five starts, Heasley has more like a 3.95 ERA, but the walks are still there. He's still been giving up about 4.3 walks per nine innings. He's got no command whatsoever, and at home, he's got a 6.43 ERA, giving up eight bombs and 42 innings. I recognize that the Minnesota of twins are right now short handed with Ore Palanco and Byron Buxton being out of the full, but a lot of guys are able to move the line for this lineup as Matt Wallner hitting about a 260, and then on top of that, Carlos Correa hitting a 285, 20 plus home runs out of him. Jose Miranda, Gio Urshela, Nick Gordon in between about a 270 to 285. So you got some competent bats then for the Kansas City Royals, Bobby Wood Jr., Salvador Perez. Between 20 and 22 home runs apiece, both of these guys, along with Michael A. Taylor, Mike Massey, are in between about a 248 to a 265 with Nate. Now hitting about a 255 as well. MJ Melendez goes to CPSJ, only hitting about a 225, but he's been able to supply a little bit of power. They get back Ed Oliveras, who's been hitting about a 300 as well. And for the Royals, this team ranks dead last in the American League in bullpen overall for the season. As you've got Amir Garrett, Carlos Hernandez. Colin Snyder, Luke Weaver, all posting up at least a 4.75 ERA. Scott Barlow, Dylan Coleman have been solid. I know QS has not been too bad, but as an issue for the Minnesota Twins, they've just burnt a lot of their bullpen pieces as well as you've got a couple guys I really do like. Oreo Lopez and Michael Fulmer who they picked up at the trade deadline have both been solid. You've got Johan Duran, who's able to throw 100 plus miles per hour. He has been terrific. Along Giovanni Morin. Morin has an ERA of about a 2.45. but when you get into guys like Emilio Pagan and company, it is a Pagan for this seem in terms of their chances of being able to win the game and for Josh Winder he's a young guy that I think has a lot of potential needs to work on being able to get more deception and a few more swings and misses as he's only been able to deliver about 6 strikeouts per 9 innings and he's been getting taken deep quite a bit as well as he's up to about 1.6 home runs per 9 innings surrendered, actually has a 382 rotiary, so he hasn't done too bad on that front but he has been someone that just is not able to generate a lot of deception and as a result if prevents him from going deep and he does have a lot of guys taking them yards, so I do think that this is going to yield a lot of runs, and I do still like the Twins in this spot. They've got the better bullpen. I think the winder better than John Heasley, so I did make the Twins minus 145 on the money line, so I do like them in this circumstance, and when it comes to the total, I did set my total at an 8.6 of the DK Nation write-up. That is going to be on the over. Also do like the Twins on the money line. 917, 918 on the betting board. It is the Oakland A's, Playoff seattle Mariners. George Kirby is going to be going for the Mariners, and Adrian Martinez is on the bump for Oakland, and Oakland, a sizable underdog anywhere between Plus one ninety five and plus two hundred five. And if you're looking at Seattle, it is anywhere between minus two twenty and minus two thirty-five. Seven is your total. Over is minus one twenty to minus one twenty-five. Under is between even at plus one hundred five. Seeing straight seven half at under is minus one twenty-five and the over is plus one hundred five. And with the Mariners, go ahead and make them a minus one seventy-two favorite. I absolutely love what George Kirby is doing. And we talked about this with Josh in the last segment that he's been giving up right around one point one walks per nine innings. It is absolutely amazing what he's done. As a matter of fact, he's given up 12 home runs in his 117 and two-thirds innings and 15 walks, which that just shows you how good of a pitcher he's been. And then on the road, he's actually been better than at home. 288 road ERA, 308 home ERA, given up four bombs in 56 in the third innings when he has been on the road, and he goes to the most pitcher-friendly ballpark that you're going to get in Oakland, and he's done good against Oakland, giving up five runs in 18 innings across three starts against the A's, but Adrian Martinez is someone that has been catching my attention as well. Now, last two starts against the White Sox and the Houston Astros, his nickname was Hickory because he got smoked giving up five home runs and 11 total runs over the course of eight and two-thirds innings, but prior to that, he was starting to really turn the corner, giving up a combined three earned runs and three starts against the Yankees, Giants, and Baltimore Orioles, so he has shown the best of it and he's also shown the worst of it. For Adrian Martinez, a 638 home area. I do think that that is going to improve quite a bit. Opponents are going 358 off of him at home. He's been having some bad luck in terms of the balls that have been in play against him and for the Seattle Mariners. this is just not a good lineup in general. Post all-star break, they're dead last in the American League in terms of batting average, and now they've got Eugenio Suarez currently on the injured list. Now, you've got Ty France, Julio Rodriguez, and you're able to throw in there Cal Raleigh, all being able to supply 20-plus home runs this season with Carlos Santana. 19 home runs, but for Raleigh, Carlos Santana, throwing their Jesse Winker, Abraham Toro, they're all hitting a 220 or lower, Delamore as well. They've been having some better at pass recently out of Sam Hagerty, who's been able to hit about a 275, but this team doesn't do a good job of moving the line. The A's really done as well although I will say Tony Kemp has been better recently overall for the season, hitting about a 240. But over the last three days, he's been able to hit a little bit over a 300. John Murphy and Seth Brown have supplied a combined 41 home runs this season, with Brown hitting about a 250. You've had Dermis Garcia hitting about a 240 as well, so you've had a little bit more balance there. And for the Oakland A's, very unfortunate that they've got Danny Menace and Zach Jackson uh, the fold for this bullpen. Say Mall has been dealing with the field ailments as well, but you saw AJ Puck who's supplied a sub three ERA this season. Domingo Acevedo, he's been able to give you a 3-5 ERA as well and for the Seattle Mariners, They do back up George Kirby with a bullpen that is in the top two in the big leagues in terms of ERA since beginning of the month of July. As Eric Swanson, Penn Murphy, Andres Munoz, Paul Seawells. All these guys have delivered a sub 280 ERA this season. Matt Brash since going to the bullpen has been very solid as well, but I do think that this number is a little bit out of whack. I do think that Adrian Martinez is going to turn a bit of a better start, which is why I did set my total at a 6.9 with the way that the Mariners have not been able to post all-star break. So, a case where I'm going to be taking a look at the 7-under end with the Oakland A's being able to get the plus $2 price I'm getting and need at least a 175 Going to be willing to fire in there. 919, 920 on the bang board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing the Toronto Blue Jays. Jose Barrios, going to be going for the Jays and reason this game is currently off the board is because the Rays are settling upon whether to go with Ryan Yarbrough or to go with an opener with them and if it would be Yarbrough as a starter, it's pretty much a pick 'em game. I made the Rays minus 103, and if they use an opener for Yarbrough, because if you take a look at Ryan Yarbrough's career, he's got a win percentage of about 75% when he comes out of the bullpen. As a starter, he's 10 games below 500, and his ERA is a full point better when he comes out of the bullpen. I would be willing to set the Rays more around about a minus 110 if they do utilize that opener, which that, I think, actually lends a lot of value because with the Tampa Bay Rays they go with the opener quite a bit, and when you do typically find an opener, a lot of people, they actually devalue a team, where in this case, I actually think it's an upgrade for the Tampa Bay Rays, but for the Rays to have any value whatsoever, they are going to need to score some runs, as they had a really nasty, like, 26 consecutive inning streak, where they did not score a single run, but you've still got guys that are able to get on base and move the line, as you got Randy Orozarena, Wanda Franco, coupled with Jonathan Aranda, hitting between about 260 to a 270, Orozarena, 19 runs and Isaac Paredes between 18 and 19 home runs himself, but Paredes, Rene Pinto, Jose Siri, these are guys in a 220 or lower, though. I will say you've got Hero Ramirez sitting above the 300, Manuel Margot, Yandy Diaz, and Diaz dealing with a little bit of an injury, in between about a 290 to a 300 with Diaz providing a 400 on base. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, it has been amazing to take a look at the overall balance of power with this team, as you've got five different guys that will be able to slug out at least 20 home runs this season, as you've got Taz, Hernandez, Bobichet, Flagaro Jr., Matt Chapman, and George Springer, and really aside from Chapman, who still provides a 325 on base, all these guys are hitting at least a 260 as well. Alejandro Kirk is hitting about a 290 as well. Guys like Remy Altopia, for the injuries that they've had, they've been able to mix and match as well, and for the Toronto Blue Jays, I like their bullpen as well. Not quite as much as the Tampa Bay Rays, but you've had, since Anthony Bath has, has come into the fold, one of the best bullpens in terms of ERA in the big leagues. Tim Meza, David Phelps, Yumi Garcia, the closer Jordan Romano, all supplying a sub-3 ERA, but you do take a look at the. This, Ray's team as well. Pete Fairbanks and Jason Adam are supplying sub-2 ERAs. Brooks Raley has been tremendous with his. Right around 250 ERA. Kampuche has been a little bit inconsistent recently, but still solid in for Jose Barrios. Credit where credit is due. He's done some of his best pitching here in the season lately as he's given up two earned runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts. And he's actually had a trio of really good road starts in a row, giving up two earned runs or fewer in each out of his last three road starts. Throughout his career, though, he's always had big home and road. Splits and that has come through this year. 619 road area, 398 home area. His record is seven and one at home, four and four on the road. He's allowed 17 home runs in 72 and two-third settings on the road. The Walks for Nine rate is right around two on the road, which is not bad. But opponents seeing a 303 three off of him as a little bit of an issue. As a result, did make the race a very, very slight favorite with Ryan Yarbrough. If they do throw an opener, I've set this closer to the race minus 110 currently with Yarbrough as a starter, minus 103. And make my total is 7.7. It'll be the same regardless of an opener or not for Yarbrough. 7.5 or less looking at an over 8 or higher to the under. 921, 922 on the betting board. The Houston Astros are on the road facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. It was unclear as to whether or not Justin Verlander was going to be starting for the Astros, but he is now confirmed as I record this podcast and Kyle Bradish on the bump for Baltimore because the Verlander mystery was hanging out there. This is the game that is presently off the board, but I do have my handicap and with the Houston Astros, I made them a minus 184 favorite, minus 109 on the run line and the total is 7.2 to where a 7 or less, I'd be looking at an over, a half. Prior, I would be diving in on the under end with Houston Astros and are getting the best of Justin Verlander right now because he spent some time on the injured list. You didn't know what you were going to be able to get coming back and For Justin Verlander, I do think that he's going to be on a little bit more of a pitch count, much like he was in his last start. But when I start out against the Oakland A's, he gives up no hits, one walk in five scoreless settings, punching out nine. He looked like the Justin Verlander of old. I sort of expect the same thing, probably a pitch count right around like 80 or so. But I think Verlander goes out, gives five, if you're really lucky, six scoreless settings, and then he turns it over to a bullpen that ranks number one in the big leagues in terms of ERAs. You've got so many guys in Ryan Stanek, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, Seth Martinez providing a 250 ERA or better. Ryan Presley has been able to do a nice job for this bunch as well, but the Baltimore Orioles, they counter with one of the best bullpens in the big leagues as well as Joy Creviel, Dylan Tate, Cieno Perez, Keegan Aiken, Felix Batista, all giving you a sub 3-2 ERA for the Baltimore Orioles. They've had some Success against the Houston Astros over the years. They actually swept them last season in Houston. This year, they were able to seal a few games as well as Anthony Santander has been the main home run hitter for this team with 27 home runs as he, Ramon Udias, Austin Say's kid, Ryan McKenna, Ryan O'Castle, all in between about a 242 250. Adelie Rushman providing about a 365 on um, base with a 255 average. Cedric Mullins has been hitting at 260 and since getting called up to the big leagues, Gunnar Henderson, he's been hitting above a 300. He's got three home runs and 78 bats. That has been very encouraging for this. Baltimore Orioles team. And then you've got the man that used to be an Oriole, Trey Boomer Mancini on the flip side doing great work for a Houston Astros team that they have really been able to ignite with their offense as Jordan Alvarez, six home runs in his last seven games. Guy has been tremendous. He looks like the guy that we saw pre-All-Star break. Jeremy Pena had a home run in that series against the Tampa Bay Rays as he's got right around 18 for the season. Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, all with 20 plus home runs. Bregman at 375 on base. Jose Altuve, 295 average. Kyle Tucker hitting about at 260, 100 RBI Guy, 28 pounds for his own. And then Christian Vasquez is hitting about a 270 for this bunch as well. So, I do think that for the Baltimore Orioles and the Houston Astros, both bullpens are going to have their hands full, but I do think that both going to be able to do a solid job. The biggest issue that you've got with the Baltimore Orioles in this game is Kyle Bradish. He's been all over the place this season. 505 ERA. Now, post all-star break, he has been significantly better as he's posted up a 2-1-2 ERA in his last five starts, giving up just one home run in that time span. opponents are a buck 78 off of him. I don't think that this is going to be necessarily long-lasting, especially because considering he's 0-5 with a 580 ERA with 12 home runs in 54 and a third inning, surrendered in Baltimore this season. So I did, as a result, make the Astros minus 184 on the money line, minus 109 on the run line to where seven or less, looking over seven after to the under. We go 923, 924 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox hit the road face off against the New York Yankees as Jameis Tatayon. Goes for the Yankees, and Michael Waka is on the bump for Boston. Boston between a plus 145 to a plus 152 underdog, and between minus 170 to minus 175, is your number on the New York Yankees at Total on this game is 8.5. The over is minus 115, and the under, it is minus 105. And when it comes to the New York Yankees, I'm seeing a straight minus 160 pop up. That's still not enough for me to fire in on them. I was willing to take plus 140 or better with the Boston Red Sox, and we are certainly there for Michael Walker. He has been the one guy that you can trust for the Boston Red Sox. Now, if you take a look at some of his advanced numbers, Michael Walker has been doing for a regression darn near the entirety of the season, but he has been doing the opposite of Walker. Not giving up a lot of walks with 2.1 walks per nine innings. He's only getting about 7.3 strikeouts per nine innings. That's a career low for him. And fielding independent of a 3.51 ERA overall is a 2.61. But he has really been a Yankee stopper all season long, doing a good job of keeping things out in front of him. Doing a good job in terms of barrel rate as well. And for the New York Yankees, it's been incredible as what Aaron Judge has been doing. And now he's got Anthony Rizzo and John Carlos Stanton back in the fold. Both of these guys 26 plus home runs this season. John Carlos Stanton. The rememberable grand slam in the game in which Aaron Judge wound up reaching that 60 home run plateau, but neither of those guys along with Aaron Hicks, who is much maligned and you're able to throw in there as well. Josh Donaldson are really above a 235. So not a lot of guys are able to move the line for the New York Yankees. I will say for the Yankees, they're still averaging five plus runs per game at home. That is still the most in the American League, but you do also have a Yankees bunch. They're going to be throwing out there someone in Jamison Tyon that has been shaky in his own right for Tyon. He has been doing a great job in terms of command, giving up about 1.8-ish walks per nine innings, but he also gives up about a home run and a half per nine innings as well for Tyon 372, homey 442, here on the road. And at home, he only gives up about 1.1 home runs per nine innings, so that's much more passable, but you take a look at what Tyon has done overall this season against the Red Sox. Not great giving up 10 runs over the course of 18 innings. Meanwhile, Michael Walker has had a couple times against the New York Yankees and against the Yankees in his one start. Seven scoreless innings, so that has been very good. Now, Michael Walker, I will say, he did have a little bit of a rough start a few times out against the Tampa Bay Rays, where he did give up four runs, and he's given up now three-plus runs in two out of his last five starts. But, by and large, as we go six strong, and that's going to be needed because the Boston Red Sox, they've got the worst bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues post-all-star has Caleb Ort, Edward Bazzardo, Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes, they're all supplying north of a five ERA this season. Now, you do have John Schreiber who's been able to give you about a two ERA, but Garrett Woodlock, it appears, is going to be out of the fold for the rest of the season. Frank German entered into the week with an ERA of literally an infinity, so not great. And for the New York Yankees, they still rank at the top three in terms of bullpen ERA. Clay Holmes has had his obvious issues this season, and Aroldis Chapman has as well, but Lou Trevino is coming over from the Oakland A's a sub-three ERA. You've gotten good innings out of guys like Ron Mananacchio, Waddy Peralta, Lucas Lucki supplying a sub-three ERA as well. And for the Boston Red Sox, they do a good job of being able to put back to ball as well. Rafi Devers, really the main home run hitter for this team with 25-26 to 26 home runs. He, Alex Verdugo, JD Martinez, Reese McGuire even, and if they're on their Christian Royal, lying between about a 270 to about a 290, and then you've had Xander Bogarts hitting at 315, trying to rob Aaron Judge of the Triple Crown at this point. Tommy Pham, so it's coming over from the Cincinnati Reds. He's been able to about a 250. He's got 16 home runs overall for the season, but he's really the only guy going deep for Boston outside of Rafi Devers, but I do think that Michael Walker going to do a better job than Jameson Taillon. He got a few advantages with the Yankees, but I do think that Michael Walker getting about plus 145 to plus 150 lends some value, so going to be willing to fire in on the Red Sox. I do think that Waka going to do a good job against the Yankees once again. So as a result, somebody told it an 8.2. So looking under and looking at Boston. And we wrap things up with 925, 926 on the betting board. It is the Cleveland Guardians on the road facing off against the Chicago White Sox. Johnny Cueto goes for the Sox. And Shane Bieber hopes to have a fever for getting strikeouts for Cleveland. Cleveland between a minus 130 to a minus 135 favorite. Between a plus 115 and plus 122, your number on the White Sox. Seven is the total. Overs between minus 120 to a minus 120. Under is between even a plus one of five. Seven to seven point seven, even at a seven and a half. I would be taking a look at the over for Johnny Cueto. I was talking about a little bit of regression being due in for our good friend Michael Waka. For Johnny Cueto, it is absolutely incredible how this guy does not have north of a 4 ERA this season because he has not been missing a lot of barrels. He's been pitching to a whole bunch of contact, 5.7 strikeouts per 9 innings. Now, to his credit, he's only been giving up 2 walks per 9 innings, but he's got a 309 ERA, fielding independent of a 395, and where he's really been hit hard has, ironically enough, been in Chicago. If you take a look at his home and road splits, they are some of the more dramatic that you're going to find in the big leagues. As overall for the season. Johnny Cueto has been giving up about 0.8 home runs per nine innings. So he's kept the ball in the yard, but at home 389 ERA giving up nine home runs in 69 and a third innings compared to five bombs in 70 and a third innings when he is on the road. And this despite the fact that opponents batting average are only separated by about eight points home to road. And for Shane Bieber, he has done his best work when he's been on the road. For Bieber, 267 road ERA, 309 home ERA, 7-3 on the road, 4-5 at home. He has given up a, a few more home runs when he's been on the road, but that's also due to the fact that he's pitched 40 more innings on the road, giving up 10 bombs at 111 and a third innings when he's been on the road. His walks per nine rate when he is away from home, that is sub two, so he has been terrific and I mean, you can talk about Shane Bieber not getting as many strikeouts this year, but he's still getting north of nine strikeouts per nine innings and then you take a look at this bullpen and it has been amazing for the Cleveland Guardians. Right around a 225 ERA post all-star break. That is by far the best rate in all of the big Leagues, James Gerenczak, Emmanuel a Tremendous 8th and ninth inning duo. And then you've got Nick Sandlin. You've also got Trevor Stevens supplying you with a sub-3 ERA. Anil De Los Santos has been right around a 3 ERA as well. And then for the Chicago White Sox, you've got Rinaldo Lopez, Jimmy Lambert. Both of these guys posting up about a 3 ERA. Both of these guys were failed starters, have found a home in the bullpen. Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks, both of these guys in the 8th and ninth inning. They've been solid, but when you get into guys like Joe Kelly, that is not necessarily where you want to be. And for the Chicago White Sox, lots of guys who are hitting between I would say 13 to 17 home runs, hitting between a 382, in some cases, north of $3. As you've got Jose Breu, Eloy Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn, throw in there Luis Robert, all in that fold. As you've also got Elvis Andrews, who since he's come over from the Oakland A's, hitting a 317 for this bunch, so and it's been tremendous. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Cleveland Guardians, not a team that's going to supply a lot of power, much like the Chicago White Sox. Both of these teams rank at the bottom eight in terms of home runs on a per game basis. We've got a pair of guys in Andres Jimenez. Josh Naylor, a combined 34 home runs between the two of them, and then Jose Ramirez, 28 home runs himself, but for the Cleveland Guardians, about 63-64% to 64% of their home runs this season have been hit on the road, and then you've got all these guys in, Ramirez, along with Oscar Gonzalez, and as I mentioned before, Steven Kwan, Amid Rosario, all hitting at least a two seventy nine for this bunch as well, so Shane Bieber, he's very well supported. I was willing to lay up to a minus one thirty three with the Bieber fever, so getting minus one thirty, willing to fire it on the Guardians. I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to put some runs up, and I do Think that the Cleveland Guardians get to Johnny Cueto in the spot semi total at seven point seven. So looking over and looking at Cleveland, and that wrap things up for the Thursday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Veeam Family Podcast. A big thanks to Josh Ingalls. Does great work at covers. He joined me in the last segment. If you do you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, got one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNR41. Keep in mind letters they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please Send these into the timeline. Other way, that is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, hear about fire, whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning.
0: The big take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world.
1: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets.